All right. Do you want to kick it off or do you want me to kick it off? Yeah, I'll go. <sighs> Social Jordan. <laughs> Welcome to Unravel Our Travel, where two enthusiasts dive into their favorite trips, tips, and tricks. Good evening, Lauren. How are you doing today? I'm lovely, Jordan. How are you? Oh, that's wonderful to hear. I am also <laughs> lovely. And you know why I'm lovely? Why are you lovely? Because I just got back from a trip. Where'd you come back from, Jordan? I was actually in France and London. And mm. just like the podcast, we're traveling. And it's a part of our life now. So we're doing it. We're talking about it. We're, we're unraveling it, it. We're unraveling it as we go. Yeah. And we're just living the podcast. And something that was cool about this is since you traveled after we started recording and launched our Instagram, you would send me some stuff. So we got to put some live pictures on there of what you were seeing and experiencing and eating. Yes. While you were doing it, which was very cool. And what is that handle again? It is Unravel Our Travel on Instagram. I've got a trip coming up that if people follow me, I'm going to have some live videos, some some photos up there. So... You can live our travels with us. But uh, Jordan, do you want to give an overview of where in France you were? Because you went a bit of like a bit of everywhere. Yes. So I saw a lot of France in this trip and I started out in Paris, flew into Paris. I was there for about two days and then I took a train down to Lyon in uh, it's about like central France. I would say more southern than central, but it's between the it's between central and southern France. And then I was there for about four or five days. I then took a day trip to this small alpine town called Annecy, just south of the Swiss border, about 20 miles south of Geneva in Switzerland. And then I went back to Paris for about two days. So I was bouncing back and forth between France and a number of different places. And I really got to see it all. I got to see the huge metropolitan hub of Paris. Mm -hmm. I got to see a medium-sized city of Lyon. And then I got to see a smaller size. I would say, I would would still call it a city, but it was more so a large town of Annecy. It was more so a tourist destination, but it was still a thriving town. So it was very neat to see the differences between the three cities and even just to see a little bit more of the nature in France too. Because when I went to Annecy, I got to see much more of the the rural life too, even Mm. just taking on the train too. Yeah. So you really got a a tasting of it all like... Yes. while also kind of like really putting yourself in the culture so that's that's a nice happy medium it really was it was, yeah. and it gave me a break between everything too because i was once i was in paris i was really enjoying it but i was also ready to see something else mm-hmm. and after i was done in in lyon i was very ready to leave there because i felt like i had seen everything that i needed to right so going back to paris and even going to annecy was a nice break from that monotony too yeah not really monotony but just seeing the city that i was in for that long right so what made you go to france in the first place because that's very different from the trips you've been taking recently and i was kind of surprised when you first told me that's where you were going especially with a stop in paris that seemed way too um (laughs) conventional for you (laughs) you're very right as i had mentioned on an earlier podcast my mind was kind of opened or changed after i went to barcelona with a group of friends and i realized that wow i really shouldn't be closing my mind off to this western europe and more mainstream locations because i i really did enjoy my time there and with this trip i was planning it in a much shorter time frame than what i typically do i think i had a two-month lead time when typically i do these things with four months maybe even six months sometimes 
So I was a little more limited in my options just because of the constraint with flight prices. Luckily, living where we do, flights to the west coast of Europe are pretty inexpensive yeah. in the grand scheme of things compared to other locations. So I was really looking at those locations. So I was cycling between uh, the UK, Paris, maybe or France in general, maybe going back to Spain. Uh, I was thinking about doing a trip maybe through Amsterdam, Dusseldorf, and Cologne. Still might do that trip at some point because when I was looking at it, I was really uh, getting excited for that. Yeah. But ultimately, I decided on France after I got some recommendations from a friend, a European friend. I got some recommendations from her on what to do there, and she actually suggested I go there rather than uh, Dusseldorf and Cologne just hmm. because she thought that I would have more things to do. And I think she was right. Yeah. And yeah. That's so it really was good. Cool. It turned out really well. And wait, and what made you take the day trip from London? So I have some friends living there now. I met those, they're Hungarians. I met mm -hmm. them when I was uh, volunteering in Budapest. Budapest. <laughs> That's how you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, throwback to our last episode. Go yeah. check it out. It's pronounced <laughs> Budapest. I met them when I was volunteering there. And they actually just recently moved to London. And being in Western Europe, I was like, Maybe I'll just check it out, see if it's possible. So at the time, I was actually considering staying the night in London to just to make it easier on myself. But I wanted to make it difficult, and <laughs> I decided to do a day trip, which it didn't seem as crazy to me because it was only a two-hour train ride. Right. But when I got back to the hostel that I was staying at in uh, Paris on that day, I was actually speaking to two Canadians who were staying there, and they're like, yeah, I... We heard you get up at five in the morning. We're like, wow, where's he going? Got to be somewhere cool. And they're like, yeah, so where'd you go? I was like, I I was in London. Yeah. And they're like, uh, what? <laughs> you... I was like, yeah, it was a it was a pretty easy trip. Like, excuse me. That's <laughs> yeah, just a quick trip. And they were shocked by it. I know. But they were very nice. Uh, it was a very long day. It was a very long day. But, but worth it. But very worth it. And when it, you yeah. think about it, like. We drive two hours here sometimes to go places and you're like, okay, like you'll do it exactly. to go on a hike or go camping or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Because in my mind, I drove an hour just to go to high school every day. <laughs> yeah, so this it, is an so hour. So two hours. <laughs> to go so to I, London two hours is nothing. France. It's yeah. nothing for this. Mm -mm. <laughs> so where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about these sequentially? Like what stood out? about France in general, and then maybe dive into the, the three cities in France? Yeah, so France in general, the stereotypes of the of the mean Parisian, I didn't really see. Mm -hmm. Everybody that I spoke to was incredibly accommodating, very welcoming, and very nice, too. Yeah. My French didn't go past bonjour and bonjour mm -hmm. and merci, and they were very appreciative of that. Right. Even if I couldn't say anything more, I think they were just, I, I think what made it different too was that I was staying in a pretty, I was staying on the outskirts of town. So I wasn't down in the city center of Paris where all the other tourists were, which I think made it a difference too. Yeah. But there's one time where I went to this cafe for a beer and food and the waitress that I had, she saw me walking by later that night when I was going back to the hostel. And she was like, oh, bonsoir. <laughs> and she like said hello to me. I was like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> they know me here. <laughs> and I was like, I want to just keep coming back. 
But it was so nice. And they were so friendly, very welcoming with everything. And I think what was interesting, too, was Paris didn't really stand out to me. The city itself was beautiful, but at the same time, too, I've seen a lot of that already. So I'm a little spoiled, (laughs) to say the least, Yeah. because Budapest, I thought, was kind of the same thing, kind of the same style with it all, with the big wide streets. Barcelona was beautiful. I thought that was more unique in a way than Paris. Interesting. With the wide streets and the type of architecture mm-hmm. it has. But at the same time too, Paris is massive and right. I didn't see a lot of it too. That was one of the big takeaways that I have from Paris is just how big it is. <laughs> how massive it is. It when I was walking around I still didn't get a sense of scale of it. Right. But everywhere that I went, I was just shocked by it. And you kind of avoided all the touristy areas, right? Like you didn't go right up the Eiffel Tower or like Larc de Triomphe or any of that. So I did not go into them, but I did go to them. Oh, so you did. So for example, okay. yeah, so for example, the Eiffel Tower, I walked in that park, so I did mm-hmm. get a very good view of the Eiffel Tower, but okay. I didn't go right up to it or go up it. Right. We still visited all of the the main all the like, big ones. big ones that you have to check off. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And I walked by the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Oh yeah, I walked by that. I'm just interested in. Hmm. I mean, what was that like after? I mean, obviously this is after the fire. I haven't yep. been since after. I have only been a few times before, and mm-hmm. I was devastated because that's one of my favorite things. Like what. I don't know. Did it stand out? Like, I know you never saw it before. So was it just yeah. like, oh, that's a building under construction? Under construction is a understatement. It was mm-hmm. under construction. <laughs> there was a, there is a probably 10 foot tall fence surrounding the entire thing. So you couldn't look through that fence. The only way you could see the cathedral itself was by looking up. Okay. And you could see all the scaffolding and all the work that was being done too. But what shocked me was how many people were still walking around there really because obviously it's still a sight to see even while it's under construction and so it was that was one of the most packed places that i had seen in paris and at the same time too all the shops were still open as well so it was still a it was still a spot to see if you're walking from the water you can actually see the church still very well like it's still standing the skeleton of it is still there and from a distance you can't really make out how bad the damage is but once you get there, you can obviously start to see it too. And then I didn't go to the Louvre, but I walked to the Louvre mm-hmm. on that same walk. I walked from Notre Dame to the Louvre, and then I walked the Champs-Élysées. Yep, I think it's pronounced. Merci. <laughs> I walked that entire way, and I saw the Arc de Triomphe in the distance. Mm-hmm. And I told myself that I was going to walk there. But I walked to the end of that and realized how far away it still that is. was. <laughs> and so I stopped. It's big. It's, it's really huge. Big. Yeah. It's Deceiving. huge. So I did not go there. I did but not go there. You saw it. You got close I saw enough it in the to distance. realize, wow, that's a big arch. You know what? What happened? a triumphant arch. <laughs> it was very triumphant. <laughs> but the thing what happened was in the Louvre, that area, there's a smaller arch. And oh, did you think that was it? Yeah, I thought that was the Arch <laughs> Arc de Triomphe. That's really and then funny. I looked past it. I was like, oh. That's no. the real, it's the big That's daddy down one. there. <laughs> this is the baby arc. And then moving on to Lyon. Lyon was great. It was a nice getaway from Paris. 
the city is very beautiful the old town i should say yeah uh it's split up between the commercial area the old town and then the touristy area the old town is beautiful uh the streets are all cobblestone and all the storefronts are that like bright colored style that they do and what was crazy with those streets is that it had just rained and i was walking down this hill that was very steep and it was all cobblestone and i was wearing indoor soccer shoes essentially yeah Yeah, you looked very fancy european your whole trip so i know exactly what shoes you're talking about (laughs) thank you very much if any of you had followed our instagram you would have seen what shoes jordan was wearing on exactly (laughs) you missed it you missed it (laughs) and so i was wearing those and it had just rained and probably three or four times i nearly died because i slipped (laughs) on the rocks and they were so slippery were you i caught myself every time that was like slipping or i mean because that's like what the shoes that many people wear over there. i know i know get used to it the thing was there was a guy riding his bike down and i was shook by that because i don't know how he had traction and then there were people walking up it too and every time i slipped i looked at those people and they weren't looking at me too so i dodged a bullet there (laughs) not an embarrassing story no and then uh, the cafes that I ate in Lyon were great, too. All the people were very nice. I had a lot of different food there. Mm. And Anything notable? Yes. Uh, the most notable food that I ate there was beef tartare. Ah, oh, that was in Lyon. Yes, it was in Lyon. And I went to this grand brasier. It was a Ooh. giant event hall, essentially. And it was empty. It was me huh. and another table. But that's because I went at 5 p.m. And oh. God forbid the French eat before like, <laughs> like 8 <10? laughs> p.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like that's like old people dinner. <laughs> exactly. Not even. But... They still eat at like 8, 9. <sighs> so I was the only person there. And I had asked the waiter when I was there, like, how many people come here typically? It's, does it get busy ever? And he said that... It gets to be like a thousand people a night, a thousand wow, tables a night. That's massive. It was a huge haul. It was a huge wow. haul. And when I was looking at the menu, I thought, what perfect place to try something new? Yeah. So I was bouncing between escargot, the mm-hmm. beef tartare, or just a traditional dish too. Yeah. Ultimately decided on the beef tartare because that seemed the most out there. Yeah. Can you explain <laughs> to listeners what beef tartare is? Beef tartare is dear listener gross i want you to (laughs) it it is very gross but i want you to imagine in your head a hamburger a ground beef hamburger now when you get beef tartare that's what you're eating it's just (laughs) like a raw hamburger on your plate it's raw ground beef pink not cooked at all they don't even put it on a stove for a second it's just straight ground but it usually has like onion in it right like right in the meat like some seasoning exactly so you're not just eating the raw meat and i should say a disclaimer to this the reason that people can eat this and be okay is because this meat is of the highest quality yeah these restaurants and cafes that serve this style of meat have a very good relationship with each other so they both trust each other very well or else they wouldn't be serving it yeah but as lauren said this meat isn't this dish isn't just served as ground beef it's also served with a medley of other things that they mix into it. Yeah. So that was part of the experience. When I ordered it, the waitress, the waiter had told me, like, are you sure? It's ground beef. You know what you're getting into. <laughs> Do you know what this is, you silly American boy? <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah, that's what I'm here for. Bring it to me. 
He brings it out, and on top of the ground beef, there's an egg yolk. Hmm. And then on another dish, there's onions, capers, uh, peppers, and some other seasonings, too. Was the egg cooked or no? Raw. That's the name of the game. Raw egg, raw beef. So he takes the hunk of the meat, transfers it to another plate, and then just starts mixing it together. He mixes in the onions, the capers, the pepper, the really? spices, the egg yolk, too. And then he plops it down on your plate, says bon appetit, and then you eat it. And all the while, while he's mixing this right in front of me, I start feeling it in my stomach. Maybe I shouldn't be eating this. And I start <laughs> second-guessing myself. But again... I am the only person in this restaurant right now, so I'm not backing down. And you know what, Lauren? <laughs> I finished the entire thing. No, you didn't. I did. Oh. I did. I finished the entire thing. My God. And Jordan, I'm never going to get it again. I didn't get sick. Did you like it? But I'm never going to get it again. No. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> no. It did, I, I did not. You know me. I like almost everything. Like, I actually love escargot. I love escargot. I love frog legs. I love all those things. Beef tartare just weirds me out. Like, why would you choose for... I, and I've had it. Like, I've ordered it. But it's like, you're just choosing being like, yes, just give me this hunk of raw meat. Like, just... just I would have been like, can you just toss this on the grill? Thanks. So when you had it, did you finish it? No. That was the one. And I actually... You didn't finish it? I don't think I got that in France, though. Where Do you know? Do you remember where you got it? Most recently, I got it somewhere in Davis Square. So you've gotten it multiple times? Yes, but I forgot what it was when I ordered it the second time. I thought it was beef carpaccio, which is like just like lightly seared almost strips mm. of meat. So it's almost like a really rare steak. Okay. That I love. And I got confused. And I ordered beef tartare and they served it with like onions per usual and mustard. And I was like, this yep. is literally just a hamburger without uh. the good parts. And that's it. They didn't mix it up like... It was like just, just a hunk like, of have fun. Meat. Go at it. I had a couple bites because I was like, wow, I'm paying like $20 for this dish. Mm -hmm. But I was not as brave as you. But also I think that if I were in a different country when I when I had it, I, I probably would have just to prove a point. Like I would have yeah. been too embarrassed to leave it, especially if that was my entree. Exactly. Yeah. And after I got back to the hostel, I immediately went on to Google and looked up all the different <laughs> get all the different sicknesses that I could get. All the illnesses. <laughs> but I did not get any. I'm impressed. So it was good. Proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. And that was the most adventurous thing that I ate, the most noteworthy. Everything else was pretty run-of-the-mill. I had some great crepes. I had a meal of crepes on Ooh. in Paris one night. Savory or sweet? I did both, actually. So nice. I got two crepes that night. I went to this crepery right next to the hotel that I was staying at. Mm -hmm. And for the savory crepe, I got, it was a kind of German type crepe. It was a kind of sausage meat and then cheese and then potatoes Ooh. and a crepe. And that was very savory, obviously. Yeah. And it was very good too. And then for uh, the dessert, I got a sweet crepe and that was caramel with... Yeah, it was just caramel. It was so good. Sounds amazing. Wow. And the guys were so nice, too. Oh, I'm sure. See, they're just very nice. Everyone. Very knows. nice all around. Yeah. As long as you lead with your, like, bonjour and merci, it's like you made an effort. Like, that's the biggest advice when you're going somewhere that you don't speak the language. There's no way, especially if you're traveling a lot like we do, that, well, maybe you could, but I can't learn the language every time <laughs> I go somewhere. It would take me years to get anywhere new. Yeah, just the... 
just the hello yeah. or the thank you. If you goodbye, learn a couple things. And honestly, if people are mean to you after that, that's kind of their problem. And I've only had that happen in one place. And that was in Marseille. Yeah. <laughs> Did they curse you out? What they he say? Wouldn't, he wouldn't speak to me. We sat down and I said hello. And I ordered, like I asked for, I ordered me and my parents wine. I ordered us crepes. And I tried to ask a question about the Chantilly crepe, which is like a whipped cream crepe. And I was saying it all in French, just clearly like broken French. And he just wouldn't answer. He stood and he would bring us our food, but he wouldn't answer questions. He wouldn't say anything. It was the most uncomfortable thing. But that is like the stereotype you hear. And I think people Mm -hmm. extrapolate it to all of France, like you said. And that's actually very rare in most places. And at that point, you're like, well, there's nothing else I could do as a tourist because you tried. Just the bare minimum. They're very proud of their language. So just show some respect anywhere. The only language faux pas that I had was when I was buying a I did I just had one I was buying a baguette as you do in a Mm -hmm. grocery store and my plan was to put this baguette in my backpack so that I could eat it throughout the day yeah didn't want crumbs all in my backpack so when I got to the cash register I asked the man I didn't ask the man because I can't speak French (laughs) I said un sac which is how you say a bag bag. in, in French and I said it with a question tone Mm-hmm. putting across the fact that I don't speak French very clearly. And he was very confused by this. So I pointed to the baguette and I made the shape of the bag that one does. <laughs> Un sac. <laughs> Un sac. And he still wasn't getting it. And then I said in English, a bag. And I made the same gesture. And then he was like, oh, un baguette. <laughs> No, Not no, please. Thing of bread. <laughs> so after about a minute of these charades, he finally gives me he finally gives me this tiny little bag that's barely big enough to hold like a crumb of it, and I can't I can't not take it after all of this. So I take it and I put it in my backpack, and then I get crumbs in my backpack Aww. because it doesn't do its job. You should have just had the crumbs in the first place. <laughs> I should have. Or I should have just walked around with it in my hand. Yeah. But it was funny. That's... And now I get to laugh about it. <laughs> I love that. Un sac. Yeah. Un sac. There mu- must have been something like not the right word for that situation, you know? Or he was just very confused why I was asking for a bag for a baguette when I have two hands open, too. That may It may have just been like, why are you, what are you doing with this? Yeah. You shady American. So that is, okay, so we've covered two of your cities. Yes. And the third one is called Annecy. Mm -hmm. I chose to go to Annecy while I was in Lyon because at the time, yeah, I wasn't planning for this. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. So while I was in Lyon, I got there on a Sunday and I was leaving on Wednesday. On Monday... While I was in Lyon, I realized that I was kind of seeing everything at a very quick pace. So I was running out of things to do. And I realized that I should probably go somewhere else and see somewhere else too while I have the time. I was looking at the weather and Tuesday was going to be a beautiful day. And then Wednesday was going to be rainy all day everywhere. So I had a day to figure out where I was going to go. Less than 24 hours. So I spent about an hour just looking around online, looking at recommendations, seeing where people recommended and people recommended 
heading down to Marseille on a train. Uh, some people suggested going to Geneva, mm-hmm. too. And then I found this Anessi. I think I saw it only once online. I looked it up, saw it was drop-dead gorgeous. Hmm. I was like, okay, I'll go there. So I bought a ticket, and the next day I was headed to Anessi on a day trip. And it was a very quick trip again because it was two hours on a train. And I left about... Nine in the morning, so I got to Anessi at 11 a.m., and then I was back on the train at 6 p.m. So I had a quick six, seven-ish hours in Anessi, and that's really all that I needed because the city itself is a tourist attraction for the beauty of the city. Okay. It's beautiful because it sits at the foot of the Alps, like I said, just 20 miles south of Geneva, so the Alps start right next to it, and it also has a glacial lake that it's on the coast of yeah your photos looks like a actual fairy tale it really was it really was and the water was crystal clear the sky had not a cloud in sight at one point of the day wow everything was just blue 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 and in the distance of the lake you could see the other towns settling on the mountains too along the way as well and it was gorgeous so and surreal. then what I didn't realize, too, because when I chose this, I was only picking it for the mountains in the distance. Yeah. But when I got there, I realized that there are canals all throughout the old town. Really? Just like, yeah, Venice. Just, just like Venice, just like Amsterdam. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Wow. The canals were very well maintained, and the buildings along them, too, were very colorful and very unique along the way as well. Yeah. And everything was just tucked away. And there wasn't a big crowd, too, which allowed you to sit down and take pictures and soak it in as well. And it was just gorgeous. It was gorgeous. So I spent the entire day essentially walking around. I walked pretty far around the lake just because I was trying to kill some time. So I walked all around the lake there. I stopped in the library. I stopped in a small cafe to get a coffee. And it was just, it was gorgeous, flat out. And you'll see the pictures at uh, Unravel Our Travel <laughs> at Instagram. So check them out. That They're honestly on... Like, when you posted one of those, it, it looked like a postcard. It looked like you edited it. And I you actually, did it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't touch them. And it's funny you say it looked like a postcard because I bought a postcard from there and it looks just like a picture I took, too. <laughs> You're like, why did I just pay? It, I didn't two have euros to. euros for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's unreal. So why do you, do you think... A lot of people don't go to it just because they don't really know about it. Or was this off season? I th- it was just at the end of the on season, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it was still it's still off season because it's October and nobody really travels that much in October. Right. But all the people that were there, tourist wise, were French, and that's because it's just it's a small town. It's yeah. kind of tucked away. It's far away from Paris. Right. Uh, it's. Which is where most people are going when you think France. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't think it has a big international tourist activity Mm -hmm. just because of its location. Because, again, it's tucked away. It's pretty far away from Paris. Uh, Geneva is probably the closest big city that you could go to. Yeah. And, again, I didn't even know about it until I looked online and found it, stumbled upon it. So you think it's worth, it would definitely be worth going yeah, if you're in the area in Lyon or Geneva and you have some spare time, I would highly recommend it. And you, you just took the train, right? How, how long was that train ride? I took the train and it was run by the French government, which it, it was very efficient. So efficient. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. It was two hours 
Not bad. Two hours uh, going to and then two hours coming back. And their trains are so neat. They're so sleek, very comfortable. So and so clean too. And it was really funny when I was on the train going to Anessi, we hit 300 kilometers an hour. And on the app, I think that's like, let's do some quick math. Called Google. <laughs> Called my calculator. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't know how to do that. You just do kilometer on your calculator to mile, and then you just say an hour. So we just did some quick math. That's 186 miles an hour on this train. Nice. And it was really funny because on the app that you get the Wi-Fi on from the train, there's, you get this little badge that you were on a train that hit 300 kilometers per hour. That's so fun. So I got a little badge. You earned a badge. By, you I didn't did. do anything. You just sat there. <laughs> I did all I don't I know could. if you get that badge. Give it <laughs> I've to the, earned like, it. <laughs> by sitting I've there and entrusting it. your life. No, wait. So talking about this train, I, I know I'm, I'm jumping a little bit. Mm-hmm. You took a train and went through the channel from France to London, correct? I did. Yes. I did. And it was really neat. That was another train that hit 300 kilometers an hour that I was paying attention to. And it was really neat because I got to travel to, I got to travel through the countryside of France going from Paris to London. And then I went through the channel. Which I think most people know, but it is literally a tunnel built under the English channel from France to London. Yes. So our big dig is in Boston is nothing (laughs) compared to this. Nothing compared to it. Nothing compared to it at all unfortunately when you're going through the tunnel it's pitch black Mm. so you didn't really get to enjoy that much but it takes about 20 ish minutes going through it yeah it's that long and you're going that fast too it's so neat and then once you get out of it uh the rail yard on the british side Mm -hmm. it's very obvious that it's a huge port because that's where all the shipments come in from from the mainland and it's so neat to see all that stuff yeah, I, I took that too, and I slept the entire two hours. I was awake for about five minutes of it at the beginning, so I went through the tunnel, and I have no memories of it. That's all you need to see. That's the most important part. <laughs> it was pitch black in my head too. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then from from Anassi, you went back to Lyon. Mm-hmm. For a day, mm-hmm. and then I went back to Paris to wrap up my trip. And that's where yeah. you flew out of. Yes, yes. That's like a very full trip. It was very full and it was crazy because everything happened so quickly at the start of the trip because I got into Paris Thursday at noon. I left for London uh, Saturday, came back on Saturday, and then I went to Lyon on Sunday. So on Sunday night and Monday morning, I was just like, (laughs) now what? Now what is there to do? Right. So it was great to sit back and relax in Paris the last few days. Yeah. But at the same time, too, I was looking forward to some inter- human interaction. Being alone but, at that point. Yeah. But it was great. I, I got to meet some cool people. Uh, I met some people the very first night at the hostel mm-hmm. that I was staying at in Paris. The hostel itself was having an event for mojito making. Oh, wow. So you could make a mojito and then drink it. That's incredible. So, and what's Yeah, it was the, really neat. What was the name of the hostel? Would you recommend it? I would recommend it. It was called uh, St. Christopher's Inn on the Canal in Mm -hmm. Paris. 
So it was more to the northeast of the city, but it was okay. nicely removed from everything, but still a close walk to metro stations too. Okay, that's nice. I would say that with the caveat that it's definitely a hostel that gets crazier, that would get crazier during the summer okay. and during the on season. It's like but a when party. I went, I I don't want to call it a flat out party hostel, mm-hmm. but it's definitely more lively than the hostels that I'm usually used to. Gotcha. So take that with a grain of salt if you're thinking about it. But it was neat because after the mojito making event, all of us just kind of hung out. We played some games and then we went out to some bars around the area too. Um, That's something incredible about not just staying in hostels, but when you travel alone, and I feel like we've mentioned this but haven't really dove into it, but when you travel alone, you're so much more approachable to other people, whether it's sitting Mm -hmm. at like group restaurants at a table or sitting in a bar or walking at a walking tour or sitting for breakfast or a mojito in a hostel. Like you're much more approachable and open to meeting other people. And so you usually get to meet some incredible people who are also traveling and from other countries. And I think that's how some of some really cool friendships are made. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And just as you were saying that I realized that there were five of us that kind of hung out together that night. Everybody was traveling by themselves. Everybody. And that's something more normal, I think, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, actually, two, other, two of the other people were Americans. But even then, not many Americans. It's not as normalized, I guess, in America. I'll still get some questioning remarks like, oh, you're going there by yourself? Right. So it's just a little more, the culture is a little bit different with that. Yeah. But I would definitely agree with Lauren and that it's you definitely have a higher chance of meeting some neat people when you're by yourself. Yeah. And I think it even teaches you so that if you are traveling in small groups and you are doing kind of a hostile sort of scene, Mm -hmm. you almost know how to start those conversations, even if now you're with a smaller group or you're with one other person because you're much more aware of it than you don't even realize how closed off you seem when you're with other people and you've never done that traveling alone it's, it's kind of fascinating and then you get really good at your elevator pitch for an introductions whenever meeting somebody oh, yeah. at a hostel <laughs> oh why are you here where are you coming from where, where are you, you going? going what do you do <laughs> yep you get so good at it just like spit them all out just get those intros <laughs> over like this is I, my you can life become somebody new seconds. yeah you could just make things up every time <laughs> nobody will know serial killers do it and jordan patterson does it i don't do that first. i promise people <laughs> nobody really knows him <laughs> it's okay we don't really know if your name's jordan so did you want to talk about london at all or do you want to save save you some of your thoughts on london i know it was only a day trip but yeah sure so I, yeah, I was in London very quickly. I was there for about 10 hours. And while I didn't get to see a lot of the bigger sites, I did drive by Big Ben and I could Ooh. see all the scaffolding because it was under Wait, construction. Wait, you drove by Big Ben? I did not drive by Big Ben, but I was at the front of the double-decker bus oh, at the very top. Oh, you went on a double-decker! I was on a double-decker. So it sweet. felt like I was driving it on the wrong side. <laughs> I was about to be like, Jordan, you, there's... Why do you definitely left this out of our conversations? Absolutely not. Yeah. But it's so funny because when I was crossing the street for the first time, again, everybody does this, but I did it too. I I looked the wrong one way. way. I looked the wrong way and I saw this car come speeding towards me. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> Where is this person coming from? And then it clicked. Oh, I'm in London. It swapped. 
different sides of the street. And the entire time, too, because I saw this woman getting into a car. On the other. Yeah, and I was like, why is she getting in over there? Passenger side. (laughs) It was so funny. It's weird. But the double-decker buses were awesome. I can't believe they're actually a thing. I thought they were just in Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) And then made up by J.K. Rowling. Honestly. And then the tube was really cool, too. It's literally a tube. Yeah. I had to duck my head down on the sides because it was so small for me. Um, Mind mind the the gap. gap. (laughs) Mind the gap. (laughs) It's just a saying that, like, comes over the intercom every time they board people because there's a gap, like a small Mm -hmm. gap between the platform and the train. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. But there's t-shirts. It's on, like, they sell so much stuff that just says, mind the gap. And I'm like, oh, God, if we had that for, like, the tea in Boston, it'd just be, like, a bunch of, like, swears or something. <laughs> we would get over it real quick. Yeah. But London itself was very cool. Uh, I saw more of the Camden area. I went to the mm-hmm. Camden Market, which Lauren has recommended. Yeah. Because it's crazy and there's a lot of stores there. When you first start walking in there it's immense and you don't realize how big it is until you've been walking through it for about 10 minutes yeah it's a maze i got lost like you think you're like oh it's it's so tiny and then all of a sudden you walk and you're underground and then you pop out in this huge market area and you're like i don't know where i came from (laughs) no there's no getting out too no you've got to fight your way through the crowds find wherever daylight you can can. exit (laughs) find a street but it's incredible yeah, there's a lot of cool shops, a lot of cool little markets, mm-hmm. a lot of good food as well. So much, and so much good food. Of course, being in the UK, you have to stop at a few pubs. Oh, and yeah. And the one that I went to of note was called The World's End Pub. Mm-hmm. There's a very good movie that I would recommend called The World's End. It's by Simon Pegg and his gang. And it's a comedy movie. It's very funny. And I think it's based around this pub. It's not. But at least the name of the pub is the same. And it was really neat. I like the pub culture. It's cool. It's fun. It's hip. And it was cool to see the different neighborhoods of London, too. I enjoyed it so much that I would love to go back again. I don't know if I want to... Maybe on a Scotland-London trip with your pal Lauren? Maybe. Maybe. We'll have to think about that. Maybe (laughs) if the podcast takes off a little more, we we can bankroll it. Pay our way. (laughs) <laughs> we'll just start a like on every instagram post will be a link to venmo <laughs> or venmo uh, our trips <laughs> what's it called um where you can donate money to it GoFundMe. yes we can start a GoFundMe for people. us like go fund our travels if you pay for it we'll go wherever you want to hear about we'll go anywhere explore first anywhere yeah. and we'll record a podcast there too to make it even more interesting that would be so fun we'll, we'll talk offline jordan <laughs> When you see the GoFundMe page, you'll know. (laughs) Don't judge us. (laughs) So in conclusion, my trip was wonderful, but it was also very long, very tiring, and I was happy to be back home. And I think that's a good sign of a good trip when you're looking forward to uh, being back home because you know you got in your fill. And I definitely got my fill. I would for sure go back to Paris. I would not go back to Lyon anytime soon just because I've seen enough of it. But I would definitely go back to Paris and I would for sure go back to London because there's so much more to see there. Well, I feel like you told us so much. I'm so excited. I'm going to France on my trip. So Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going any of those places. I don't know. I don't know my itinerary. I I should know, but I kind of forget. 
well, it'll be a surprise once you figure it out again. And then maybe you'll forget again. Maybe figure it out again. Be like, look, where am I? (laughs) All right. So, Jordan, we've got some question corner. Great. Places you've been the saddest to leave. The place that I've been the saddest to leave, for me, it would be Sicily Mm -hmm. because everything had reached a uh, a peak by the time yeah. that I had left. I was getting into the swing of my Italian. I was able to hold a conversation really well. I was understanding everything. I had a lot of good friendships there too. I was getting along great with my host family and I was starting to really get a feel of the island culture as well. And I didn't really know when I was going to be back. At the time, I wasn't doing all these trips that I was doing now mm-hmm. and going back to Europe as frequently as I am. So at the time, I didn't know when I was going to be coming back. And that really saddened me because I had made a lot of friends there and made a lot of memories there. And again, I just, I didn't know what the future was going to hold for me in terms of Sicily. And I wanted it to still be a part of my life. And I just wasn't ready to go back to, uh, go back to the States and go back to college. Because I, again, I was just very content with everything going on there. Yeah, mine is a very similar answer. I feel like Unless you're one of the few people who hate where you studied abroad, that's the place you're saddest to leave because it's not like leaving vacation. So for me, I, I just realized I didn't even say the country. Scotland. I've said it enough. But it's not like you're leaving vacation, which is mm-hmm. sad because you're like, oh, time to go back to the real world, like have to go back to studying. But kind of what you were getting at, like you develop a life there. And it reminds me, like, throwback to your lovely and eloquent answer on, I think, episode two of it becomes your home. Mm-hmm. And, like, the relationships you have there and the streets you walk, like, you're still doing fun stuff, like, on the weekends and you're you're still somewhat of a tourist. But you have, like, your spots. You have your pub. You have the cafe you go to. People from there that mean a lot to you. And it's just, like, it's it was just as hard, if not worse, leaving there than it was leaving home, like, leaving mm-hmm. the States to go there when you first left. And for me, it was very depressing because, honestly, I think you also, or at least I can say for myself, I changed a lot while I was there, at least in my head. I, I felt like I did. Just my perspective on life and, and the people that I met along the way changed me and... I had this weird fear that it would just all disappear. Like, it wouldn't Mm -hmm. have happened. Like, it would just be a dream when you go back to college and you're back to the person that you were before you left because you're back with people that didn't see you when you changed. And so I was was really sad to leave that and and have it come to an end. And what do you think is the best way to mitigate this? Um, Cry a lot. (laughs) I don't know. I'm also an emotional person. I don't know if you can mitigate it. I think I remember before we left for study abroad, like the school handed us this like curve. It was like, um, was that like a mm-hmm. bell curve? Oh yeah. I, I remember this. And it was like, you know, as you're getting ready to leave, it's like totally normal. And then you get there and kind of like skyrockets, like everything's perfect. The world is lovely. And there's a few bumps along the way while you're there. And then coming home as you're leading to coming home it gets very sad but then it it really is a almost like a true depression for some people when you come back Mm -hmm. and I remember being like this is so dramatic school like thank you study abroad but it ended up being very real and I think some of it you just have to like accept and know like 
it's okay. Like, you're not being dramatic. But also, if it means that much to you, you're going to travel more. You're going to travel back. And, like, if you truly change, like, that's something internal that you're bringing back to share with the people you knew before. But it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're going to lose anything that you gained while you're abroad. Yeah, it's just growth. Yeah. We all go through growth. We all change. And that's normal. There's nothing to be afraid of with that. I would recommend, though, journaling. Or just trying to keep memories however you do, whether it be journaling, pictures, videos, photography, stuff like that. Try to do stuff. Make memories that you can think back on. That's why we're doing this. Exactly. (laughs) This is a great reason. Start a podcast. Do whatever works. The human brain is horrible with remembering things. So help it out whenever you can. Yeah. All right, Jordan, one more question. Let's hear it. Coolest person that you have met while traveling? I'm going to answer that with the fact that I can't answer that. <laughs> I have met some really incredible people in my program, people that I've met at hostels that I've just bonded with, and some of those people I've never even met their names before. I have friends um, like Sam and like Callie and all these people that like are from the States that I'm friends with. But it's hard to define one person because I think it also depends on where you're traveling and the type of relationship you form with them. My response to this question would be uh, my advisor when I was studying abroad. Mm-hmm. His name's Daniela. And he was my advisor, but he also turned out to be one of my best friends that I had there. It, what was nice about it was that he was he was my advisor. He was the one that helped me through everything that I was going through in terms of integrating, getting used to the language, and he turned out to be one of my best friends. Uh, we would go to festivals together. We would go out to eat together. We would just sit and chat with everything. But at the same time, too, he was just a cool dude. Yeah. Like He's working so hard to help his family out. And he's traveling across the island constantly to go teach in Palermo from Catania. He's working all the time. And he does this program for these students that are coming in to integrate into Sicilian life. And he loves it. He does it because he loves it. And he's just such a nice guy. And I was very fortunate to meet him and very fortunate to have him as a friend now. And when I went back, he and I hung out a lot too. So it's just, it's neat. It's great. Thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to email us at unravelourtravel at gmail.com.